At some point, we all seem to find ourselves struggling or stressing out about finances. We all care about our families, our homes, and our dreams for the future. But sometimes concern about money seems to take over every aspect of our life. How different would your life be if you didn't stress about your finances? What if we could be free from constraint to be in charge of where our money goes? What if we could be prepared for the future and be generous to those around us and support God's work on the earth? What if we could leave a legacy for our children and be blessed to bless those who come after us? I don't know about you, but that sounds like the way I want life to be. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Hey, if you're a guest, we're especially glad to have you welcome, uh, worshiping with us today. Hope you feel welcome and are experiencing the presence of God. Nothing matters as much as that, right? So, hey, I want to uh, highlight those two things you just heard about. Number one is uh, this fall, finally, we are going to have our own college internship taking place here. Uh, we got to announce it for the first time last week. So excited about this. Been working towards it for many years. We've had our students go off and be a part of an internship somewhere else. And so we're so glad that they're going to be able to stay here and do this. So that interest meeting that we're having on March 29th is for anybody who's uh, got a, a kid that would be a rising college freshman. Uh, it's for anybody who's already in college and, and thinking about what another year could, could be if uh, you're looking for a change of some sort because uh, all the credits are transferable. Uh, and then also some of you might be a little younger, you might still be in high school and, and you're thinking about what would come a couple years down the road. So I want to encourage anybody in that uh, area of life to come to that interest meeting. Uh, second thing I want to tell you about is as we've been in this series on finances, we've had a lot of people over the last week say, hey, I really need uh, some, some questions to the, the practical stuff. And people saying, you, you kept mentioning Dave Ramsey last week as we started this series. Is there anything we're going to do to connect those dots? And the answer is yes, we're going to help connect those dots for you. Starting next week when we finish this series, we're going to be launching a new life group of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Uh, if you've never been through this, you might still be broke. Because that's usually uh, the story everybody has when they're uh, getting all of these things on, on track. Somehow Dave Ramsey gets a, a lot of that credit. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to consider being a part of that. You can already sign up for it. So just go to our app or go online and uh, go ahead and get ready to be a part of that. I believe it starts next Thursday because we will be wrapping this series up next Sunday. So, hey, if you missed last week or if you are a guest, we're in the middle of a very short three-part series uh, that we're doing. And it's called B. And it's because we're looking at five biblical principles of finances that all start with B. And it is to be free, be in charge, be prepared, be generous, and be blessed. And that's all a whole lot better than be broke and be frustrated, right? Nobody wants that. But uh, those are the principles of the world around us. And so we're trying to make a change to that. And let me tell you why this series is so important. If you were here last week, I told you then. But uh, there, there's a foundation of what we're trying to accomplish through this series. You see, when we go through financial challenges, and every one of us will go through financial challenges, I've got several friends who are successful businessmen, own very profitable businesses, and, and would qualify as multimillionaires, and every one of them shares with me the same story. At some point, they had lost jobs. At some point, they were absolutely broke. So if that's the story of multimillionaires, I know it's going to be our story, too, that at some point, things weren't going the way that we wanted them to go. But here's what happens. When things aren't going the way we want them to go, we go, God, 
What's wrong? Why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you providing for me? God, why aren't you meeting my needs? Or God, why didn't you give me that job? Or God, whatever. And so what happens is the way we handle our money will get us into a situation uh, that will make us question how we see our God. And, and that's backwards. So the foundation for these three weeks of this series, what we want to be going through all three parts, is to turn that sentence around and make it right, which is the way we see our God should affect the way we handle our money. You guys with me on that one? So that's really what we're trying to do because here's the, these five principles are all biblical principles of what God has in mind for us. So if you were here last week, I, I started it off with a question. I, I'm going to follow that question up this week. The question is, what is your dream? What, where do you want to be in 10 years, 20 years? What is the dream you have for your future financially? And as I asked that question, I bet that some of you went to something material in your mind, like, uh, I, I can't imagine, I, I just can't wait. I want to have a beach house that I can just go and retire to, you know, and sit on the front porch and look at the ocean kind of thing. And I, I'm with you, man. Mine's on St. Martin. It's a Caribbean island. In case you're wondering, that's where my, my dream is there, right? And maybe some of you, it was a dream car or a motorcycle or a boat. Actually, funny story, I heard this past week in response to part one of be free that uh, one boat got sold and one motorcycle didn't get purchased. So at least those are the two stories I've already heard so far. So those might be on your, your dream list now. Or, or maybe it was to renovate your house or something like that. And, and I want to make sure you hear me when I say this. It is not bad if some of your dreams include material things. There, there's actually kind of a bad theology out there that says good Christians are poor. And uh, that does not line up with what I see about King David or other people that God has blessed in Scripture. And it's not a prosperity theology. I hate that stuff, just so you know. But it, it's the reality of God's people live good lives if, if we do it God's way. And that, that's just very simple. That's all I'm going to say about that. So it, it's not wrong if you have stuff. It's only wrong if your stuff has you. Yeah. Somebody, and some of you are now free to go to lunch because that's all you needed to hear because your stuff has you, you can go home and deal with that. Actually, when I asked the question last week, some of you, you didn't think about material things. Some of you thought about being incredibly generous. You thought, man, I can't wait. You know what I would love to do, Jimmy? I would love to take my children and my grandchildren, and maybe even if there's a few of them, some great-grandchildren, and I'd love to just pay for the whole family to do this amazing trip together. Maybe it's a, a cruise, or maybe you've got a family heritage in a certain nation, and you'd love to take your entire family back to see great-great-aunt Ronald's whatever her name would be in Italy. I don't know. I couldn't think of an Italian name at that moment. Uh, but anyway, you know, or some of you, it, it's not 20 years down the road. Your dream was just like, you'd like to take all of your coworkers to lunch tomorrow and pick up the tab and, and just be generous. And, and so your dream really was to be able to, to be more generous then than you are now. For some of us, when I asked the question last week, your dream was simply to make more than you spend, right? Come on, somebody, I know that was your, that's, that was for me and my wife. Every time when we were uh, going through our financial struggles and, and pastors would preach or anybody would talk about it or our friends would tell us what they have, I, my dream was very, very simple. I just wanted to make more than I spent, right? How many of you would actually like to have some money in your wallet that doesn't have a name on it, right? Anybody, you know it? And so we would, that was always our prayer. That's what we always wanted. And, and we had to discover that will never happen. Are you guys with me? That will never happen. You will never make more money than you spend. Let me just prove it to you. I want you to raise your hand if ever in your life, just once in your life, you got a raise of any amount. And keep your hands up if you didn't spend it. 
I don't believe you, man. I don't believe you. That's what I thought. There you go. So here's the point. If we make more, we will spend more. So that's never going to happen. And what my wife and I had to learn in order to turn our lives around is this, this, this other sentence. Some of you are going to get your second sermon. You also can go to lunch right after this. It's going to be on the screen for you. You'll never make more than you spend until you learn to spend less than you make. You'll never make more than you spend until you learn to spend less than you make. That was the, the journey my wife and I had to go through. We just kept thinking that if we could make just a little more, life would be perfect. Matter of fact, I remember about 10 years ago deciding the perfect number that I needed to make to, to have just the, the life that I wanted to have. And, and the problem is when I got there, guess what? It wasn't enough. And we can blame a little bit on inflation, but the reality is we need to blame that it's just never enough. Because as, as our money goes up, so do our wants and everything goes with it. So look, today we're going to talk about how and why to do the second two of these, which is to be prepared and be generous. But I need to point out in part one, we talked about how to be free and be in charge. Part one is foundational to today. You will not be able to do anything I talk about today if you are not free and in charge. Are you with me? So if you were not here for part one, and if you are struggling with that concept of be free, be in charge, and what that means, be free means you're out of debt, right? You, you, you're able to tell your money where it's going, which leads us to be in charge. You have a budget, and you are telling your money where it's going. It's not going somewhere that you already committed to years ago, right? So if you're free and you're in charge, then you can follow this up. If you don't have those two, I want to encourage you, go back and get part one. If you were not here last week, because these build on each other. So here we go. Our third biblical principle in this uh, little thing that we're doing here is be prepared. And the reality is, we talked about it last week, the reason most of us are not free is simply because we are not prepared. Right? So are you guys in the mood to laugh at yourself this morning and just kind of be honest about things? Because if you're not, this isn't going to go well. I'm going to say something, and it's going to be one of those really awkward things if you aren't ready to laugh at it. But here, here's the thing. We are all shocked by expenses sometimes, and, and we, we have this most amazing sob story that we tell our friends, right? It goes like this. You, you walk into work, and somebody's like, hey, how's your day? Like, oh, man, it's just horrible. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm broke, and I'm in debt. I, I'm, I'm, my fridge went out. Can you believe it? And like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. So it was new? Like, no. Oh, it was 15 years old. <laughs> or you do the whole same sob story, and it's like, man, I can't believe I was driving home yesterday and my transmission went out. Now I've got my cars in the shop and I can't afford to get it fixed. And your, your coworker friend is like, oh, really? Well, I'm so sorry. You got a reasonably new car. No, it had 200,000 miles on it. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the deal. If you're not prepared for the reality, let me help you out here. Some of your stuff is going to break. The rest of it's going to wear out. At some point, all of it is going to need to be replaced, right? So, so we, we blame things on the unexpected. It is not unexpected. If you actually think you can go to Home Depot and buy an appliance that will never break, I certainly hope your entire retirement fund is invested in that company that makes that appliance. I mean, that would just be brilliant, right? None of us expect it to live forever. We just are surprised when it stops living. Here, here's something else you need to know. You will get older and you will want to stop working. Here's the other one. You will get even older and you will have to stop working. 
They will tell you they don't want you there anymore because you can't see to do what you're supposed to do. You can't hear the customers. I'm sorry, I'm just picking. I'm just having, I wanted you to laugh. I want to make sure you had a good time because I'm going to say some stuff that might hurt your feelings here in a minute. So we're so shocked by the unexpected. I had somebody tell me last week, as I love, I stand in the lobby and people tell me all kinds of amazing stories. And one guy came up, he said, yeah, I was listening to Dave Ramsey's radio show this week. And, and this lady called in, she was 70 years old and she has $500 to her name. And she was asking Dave Ramsey if she should add a carport because she doesn't like getting wet when it rains. <laughs> Look, if you aren't aware that you're going to turn 70, it comes after 60 and a few others. And it comes after 50 and a few others and 40 and a few others. And so I know when we're in our 30s, we're like, no, I'm not worried about it. But it's coming. Here's another one for you. All of you that really had that bad year, put it all on the visa because you got really shocked. You had that moment where you're like, honey, how are we ever going to buy Christmas presents for all of these kids? <laughs> Pull out your calendar app on your phone. Because I know this is a shocker, but December comes this year too. We shouldn't sit around Thanksgiving eating turkey going, oh my gosh, you know what we've got to do? Look, we call it the unexpected. It is not the unexpected. Unfortunately, it's the unprepared. And we haven't thought about them coming enough to set aside something for it. So let me show you what the Bible says about it. It says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Look, this, is what, this was as literal as could be when this was written. When this was written, everybody lived in an agrarian society. That meant they, they grew what they ate. They grew what they traded. They raised the animals that they would trade with somebody else for what they grew or what they raised. It was, it was a barter system. And this is the most logical concept in the world. You better make sure tomorrow is okay before you worry about being comfortable today. Because if you say, well, you know, honey, I, I don't like when it's cold, so we better get that house built the problem is you're going to be warm as you starve to death because you will have nothing for the entire year. You didn't plant anything, so you don't have anything to trade or to sell. You didn't have anything to feed your animals. They all died too. You know what I mean? It's going to be an ugly situation. You have to think about tomorrow. Once your tomorrow is taken care of, your today can be comfortable. It would be better for you to have a future with food and sleep under the stars tonight. It was the most practical thing. For them to understand, being prepared means saving. So let me follow it up with this proverb as well. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And, and, and I want to make sure you understand, I'm not just ch quoting Chinese proverbs here today as I said that. Both of these are out of the book of Proverbs from our scripture. It is God's truths about how to live our lives. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Look, we talked last week about budgeting, and I, I didn't tell you a whole lot about it uh, because that's, that's what our life groups are for. Our number one question that was asked this week in our life groups is, how do you budget? What's a good budget app? And I want to encourage you to go to a life group, and if you don't have one, then the best one for you will be that uh, financial piece, Dave Ramsey Group, we're about to start. So I, I'm not going to get into all the nuts and bolts of budgeting. That would honestly be a little bit boring for some of us here today. But I do want to just talk about one thing that we get wrong. Next week, I'm going to explain how God needs to be first in the budget, no questions asked. But today, I want to talk about what should be second in the budget. See, when people first start budgeting, what they do is they sit down and they look at all of their, their needs, like the electric bill and the mortgage and so forth. And then, unfortunately, some of our needs are actually yesterday's wants. We need to pay visas so we don't end up with, you know, in default. But most everything on visa is what we wanted yet 
yesterday. You guys with me, right? We learned last week, you'll always be broke today if you're borrowing from tomorrow to pay for yesterday. And so we set up our budget that way and we get to the end and we look at the last thing that should have been second. And we say, well, there's just none left to put into savings. The problem is if there's just none left to put into savings and you're working really hard to get control of your life and you're working really hard to get out of debt, one of those unexpected things is going to happen usually right about the time you get completely out of debt. And then that 15-year-old refrigerator goes poof, right? Just no longer works or, or something else. And what's left for you to do but to take the visa that you've tried so hard not to use and you've tried so long to pay off and you've got to go with your head hung and walk into Home Depot and give them your visa to get a refrigerator. But the problem is at that moment you just say, what's the point? And see, that's what bothers me, is when we give up on what God wants us to do because we get so frustrated. We feel like, come on, God, you're supposed to be taking care of me and blessing me, and I tried so hard to get out of debt, and I did everything Dave Ramsey said. Actually, we didn't, because one of the first things Dave Ramsey will tell us to do is exactly what I'm talking about. Get ready for tomorrow. More stuff is going to come. Something's going to break. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to go to the ER. It's going to happen. So if, if you want to make sure each day is comfortable, then let's be putting some aside for what tomorrow is going to throw at us. It might be unpredictable exactly what tomorrow holds, but it's very predictable tomorrow will hold something that we didn't know was coming. Are you guys with me on that? And so look, that was number three of be prepared. And if we get number three right, then we can move on to number four. So here we are. If we're in charge, and if we're free, and if we're prepared for tomorrow, then we can be generous to others. Amen? Come on, everybody with me? No. Tricked you. Don't say amen with a preacher just because he told you to say. See, see, I was just seeing if you were actually listening. I just got you to agree to something that was absolutely false. Listen to it one more time. If we're in charge, if we're free, if we're prepared, then we can be generous. Did you get that? That's actually a lie about generosity, is that we can give then. Sometime in the future, I'll be able to be generous. Here, here's what I need you to know. Being generous is not a money matter at all. Being generous is a heart matter. Being generous is going on right here. It has nothing to do with needing to have more. The problem is, and this, this is going to happen to some of us in the room, it is when we live in debt, we feel there's not enough. And we live with a lack. What we always feel is where there's not enough. We would pay that credit card off today if we had enough. We don't have enough, so we're just going to keep paying. There's just not enough. And when you do that, what happens is we develop this thing I call, and a lot of people call, a poverty mentality. We just begin to believe we're always poor. We just begin to believe that we're always broke. And you know what happens if you think you're always broke and poor? You become a taker because you have friends who have more. And you think you actually accidentally develop this mentality that those with automatically should pay for those with less, right? And I know nobody's not underheaded because nobody wants to admit to this. So look, here's, I've got the, the wonderful privilege God has given me of using my life as an example for all of you. So I'm going to tell you one of my most embarrassing stories, not because I want to do it, but because I hope that it will help you. Uh, but my wife and I, we had, had some really, really good friends of ours who would take us out to dinner uh, usually about once a month. 
And they made a lot of money. They had, had just plenty of money. And, and so they knew they had plenty of money, and they knew we had a pastor's salary with four kids. And so they'd say, hey, you want to go to dinner? We'd say, sure. And, and, and they, would, they would pay the bill. And, and uh, you know, the first time I was a little surprised. I, I didn't know that was going to happen. The second time, they'd take us to dinner, and they pay the bill. We, we were friends. We did this for years. And then one time we went to dinner, and my wife heard this in the first service, and so she told me to make sure I added this detail because I left this detail out in the... But, you know, they took us to a nice restaurant, and so we ordered the stuff we can't afford. You know, that kind of thing where you, you get the, the more expensive steak on the menu kind of thing. You'd never order for yourself, that, that whole kind of thing. And so, because you, you just assume somebody else is paying. They don't raise your hand, but on a business meal, when, when your corporation is paying, or you already know your mom is paying or something else, you, you order stuff you wouldn't order the rest of the time, right? We all kind of do that sort of thing there. So, so we were having this wonderful meal, and it, this got, had to have been, you know, so, Somewhere into to the months and months and months of the times we'd been out together and, and we've, the waitress comes up at the end and looks at me and says, how would you like to do the bill? Now look, what happened next, I probably think lasted about two seconds, but in my mind it lasted 10 minutes. Because at that moment he would usually very quickly go, oh, I've got it. And as the waitress looks at me and says, how would you look to do the bill? All I heard was silence. I wasn't prepared for that because I was a taker and I'd always been a taker and I was so shocked that I didn't hear anything I was curious if he was still there so I turned and looked at him I'm glad you feel my embarrassment and I share that story with you because at that moment I grew up it's an embarrassing story Horribly embarrassing. But at that moment, I figured out I was a taker. I didn't know that I'd become a taker. I didn't know that I was automatically going through life with that assumption. That person should pay. I shouldn't have to. I'm broke. I'm poor. And, and at that moment, I realized there was something deeply wrong in my heart because I thought somebody else owed it to me to be generous. I didn't know it to anybody to be generous. And I know none of you want to say amen to that. But Here's the truth about generosity. You can be generous now. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you have. You can be generous now because being generous is not a money matter. It is a heart matter. Matter of fact, let me show you what the Bible says about being generous. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Command them to be generous and willing to share. Command who? Remember, it was in the previous verse. Command those who are rich in this present world. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to actually answer out loud uh, or, or anything, but do you, just think to yourself, do you consider yourself rich in this present world? Are those words you would use to describe yourself? Would you walk up to your boss and say, I am very rich in this present world? Most of us wouldn't because we'd be afraid we're not getting this year's raise or whatever goes with it. Matter of fact, most of us would say it's probably not me. We would, we would think of rich in this present world, and one of the things that comes to mind is a $40 million super yacht, right? You know, Or you think rich in this present world, and what comes to mind is, is a Lamborghini or owning four different beach houses on, on four different islands or something like that. And that's our idea of rich in this world. And so we decide 
that's probably not me, and we can ignore the verse. Those people, the one with the Lamborghini needs to be generous and be willing to share. I'm going to mess this all up today. Do you know what rich in this world right now actually means? If your entire household income is $32,400, you are in the top 1% of planet Earth. And to set that in perspective, if two 18-year-olds today graduate high school and they have nothing but a high school diploma and they go out and get jobs each making $8 an hour, and they have no college degree, and they have nothing else, they will be in the top 1% of the world. So I'm willing to bet if we went around the room right now, we would find out that virtually every person in this room is in the top 1% of the world's richest people. A little mind-blowing, right? So, so think about this. We are blessed. We are so incredibly rich, and I know we think about the super yachts and the Lamborghinis, and, and we, we lose perspective. And I've said this before, so only some of you will think it's funny because you've heard it before. When I was growing up, it, the, the whole idea was keeping up with the Joneses, and now the idea is keeping up with the Kardashians. You guys with me? If you haven't heard it, I think it's still funny the second time around because here's the problem. Used to, all you did was walk out your front door, look across the street, and go, hey, Bobby got a newer truck. I hope I get a newer truck someday. But now we look on Instagram and we do see super yachts. And, and our idea for what we need and what we want has just been exploded. And we've lost perspective of, of just a few hundred years ago. Kings. Kings had to ride on the back of a horse in the rain. And it would be a very bumpy ride. If you and I had to have that bumpy ride today, our car would go straight to the shop for new shocks, right? I mean, we would, we would not tolerate having to, to take such a ride. You know, kings would have to have a human stand there with a big fan on a hot humid day. We'd just walk inside and push the numbers on the wall and then sit on our couch and drink lemonade. We have a world of luxury. The Bible tells us that kings and queens would have to travel all the way across the world to go see King Solomon, to ask questions, to learn. You and I, we just have to go, hey, Siri, ask Google. Whoops. That didn't happen in the last service. I wasn't prepared for that. What the heck was I saying? <laughs> Here's what I was saying. We are rich and we are blessed. And the question would be why? Anytime God's doing something good in your life, you need to stop and ask why. So the good news, I'm going to answer it because the Bible does. Here's what it says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. I want you to use your imagination with me right now. You know, Christians, we are, we're really good at going, oh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back, man. I'm praying the day Jesus returns. And all, you know, okay, that's cool. That's, that's good. I do want Jesus to come back, and that's great. But let's just imagine it's going to happen right now. And if it were to happen right now, I want you to imagine we all stand before God, about 8 billion of us, just a little under. And God says, okay. I want, I want 1% of you to come over here. It's everybody who had a household, and that included your 11-year-old son's paper route. You had a household income of 32400 I want y'all to come over here. It's going to be 1% of you. 
And then the, the rest of you, I want you to stand over here for just a minute because I, I need to go talk to them. I blessed you. You were the richest on the earth the whole time. Did you see them? Did, did you even notice? And, and the sad part is you were the richest of them all and you thought you were the poor ones. You thought you were broke. I don't know about you, but I know I'm in that group, but I don't want to be in that group. I would be standing in the 1%, but, but I don't want to hear God say, what did you do with what I gave you? What, did you look around the world and the hurt that you saw there? Because here's the truth. If you can't be generous in the top 1% of the world, you never will be. Can't tell you how many times somebody says, Pastor, I'm praying I win the lottery. I'm going to buy you a new building. Like, I got a new building, man. Because <laughs> here's what I tell you. I know. If you're not giving now, you won't give when you win the lottery. You got a super yacht to buy. I've never actually said that out loud. I just think it. Just. <laughs> so I want to challenge you. If you're a Jesus follower, I want to challenge you with this. Acts 20 says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's my simple challenge question for you. Do you believe what Jesus believes? Because if you believe what Jesus believes, you will not let somebody take you to dinner and keep buying and be a taker. Because Jesus says you're living the unblessed. The blessed is the one who's fighting. Give me that bill. I'm going to pay that thing. But I make more than you. I don't care. I want to be blessed. Because I want to give. I want, to get, I want to see what God's going to do in my heart. I want to give. So I told you the truth. I'm going to actually give you a second one. The first truth was you can be generous now. There is nothing preventing you from being generous right now. Because it's only a heart matter. It's not a money matter. And those of you that would object, you'd say, whoa, whoa, come on, Jimmy. Last week you told me to get in charge of a budget and to get free, get out of debt. So I'm putting all my money toward getting out of my debt and my budget is as tight as I can be. And I've only got like $5 a day for lunch, man. I don't even get fries with my burger, man. That's it. That's all I get to do. I can't be generous and, and take a friend to lunch. And I would say, yeah, you can. Because four of those days you take peanut butter and jelly. Now on Friday you got $25. Be generous to your friend. There's a way. Look, I don't know your story, but every one of us has the ability to do something generous. But truth number two you need to know about generosity is extreme generosity does require ability. Because being extremely generous is a heart matter and a money matter. And this is why we need to be free, be in charge, and be prepared. Because some of us, we have dreams of extreme generosity. I hope what I'm about to say is true of every one of you. Imagine driving down the road and you see a single mom with three kids and one of them's in a stroller and she is at the bus stop. I hope every one of you says, man, I wish I could buy that girl a car. But you can't because you don't own your own car. I hope some of you would say, I I'd like to buy her a house. But that that's even more ridiculous than the car. Now, again, we can be generous now, which means you can buy our groceries. We can buy our groceries. You and I, we can eat rice and beans. We can buy our groceries. We, we can do that. But we can't buy her a car. We can't give her a house. How many of you would like to change that? How many of you would like to be able to be extremely generous 
at some point in your life that you can do the most amazing thing. And so I'm going to close with with asking you to dream your extremely generous dream. What would it be for you? I, I just want you to think about it for a minute. What would you love to do based on what you know now? How many of you fast forward 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, whatever it would take, and you hear your grandchild made the dean's list in college, but is working two jobs and getting almost no sleep just to pay for college. How many of you would love to be the grandmama or the grandpapa that calls up and goes, hey, granddaddy's got you. Next year's paid for. You quit those jobs. You get some sleep and keep doing your work and come see me at Christmas. Come on. How many of us would love to do that, wouldn't we? How many of you would love to be the one who hears, hey, they're going to have an internship and, and there's one student who they, they just can't pay for it. And you'd love to be able to just walk into the office one day and write a check and say, don't tell them who did it. You just let them know that their, their internship is paid for. How many of you would love to, to be that person who hears the whole youth group is trying to go on a missions trip, but they're, they're out doing car washes, trying to save up $5 at a time to buy plane tickets for 10 people. Wouldn't you love to be the person who could just buy 10 plane tickets and it not even phase you? I think every one of us would say yes to any of those stories and so many more. So many more. The problem is tomorrow is eventually going to come. Just like eventually your refrigerator is going out and your tires are going to need to be replaced. Well, that day that you want to do that, that day is going to come. And will you be ready? And you won't be ready if you haven't started with the be free, the be in charge, and the be prepared. Because tomorrow's coming. 70 comes after 60, 60 after 50, 50 after 40. We're not always good at looking ahead, but it's coming. And so my hope for us is that we will be free, be in charge, be prepared, and be generous. You can be generous now. And if we'll do them all, we can be extremely generous later. Next week, we're going to finish this whole thing up with the last one, be blessed. You don't want to miss it because it's what gives power to the other four. You'll do well with the first four on your own, but you don't want to miss part five. So, Or the fifth one, which is part three of the series. Let me pray for us. God, we, we first just want to say thank you for being such a good God. We thank you that you care about the smallest things like our finances. We, we, we care. We, we care about doing this your way, God. And so, God, right now, some of us, we just need to say we are sorry that we have not been generous, that we've fallen into the trap of seeing ourselves as poor when you have truly blessed us. God, none of us are going hungry. We've got cars with air conditioning. And we've lost sight of your goodness to us. So, God, we just take a moment right now and say, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. And God, my prayer for every one of us is that we will turn our hearts to seeing our lives the way you see them. We'll count ourselves as among those who are rich, those who are blessed, those who have been given the privilege of making life better for someone else. And God, we will start with what's broken with us so that we can do even more of what you've called us to do. We're going to we're going to put all of these into practice in our lives. And if you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have 
yet to surrender your life to God, making Jesus your king. The truth is, the poorest and the richest, it's not actually about money. The poorest are those who owe a debt they can never pay. And it's for the unholiness in their lives. And the richest are those who have had their debt paid and will have eternal life, complete and total forgiveness. And some of us here today need to move from the poorest to the richest. And the good news is you don't have to do anything difficult. You simply have to look Jesus in the eyes and say thank you. And exchange the life you've been living for the one he has for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now, right where you're seated. Just say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with them, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.